You're listening to Live 360 with Tony Sutherland, and this is episode number six. All right, guys, let's jump right on in. We're going to take our key verse today, Ephesians 4.32 from the Message Translation. I love how the Message Version breaks down Scripture in language that we can relate to and better understand. It says, Make a clean break with all cutting, backbiting, profane talk. Be gentle with one another, sensitive. Forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. Wow, what a powerful verse. I love the first four words of this verse, make a clean break. Today, guys, today, let's decide that we are going to forgive those who hurt us, forgive those who intentionally hurt us or unintentionally hurt us, or maybe they hurt somebody close to us. Maybe maybe they, maybe they, we just don't like them. Maybe they're doing things that we don't like and we've built up our own stockpile of resentment against people. You know, I believe that forgiveness is the cure for most common issues related to our emotional pain. You know, you can probably trace your emotional pain back to someone who hurt you, someone who misguided you, someone who disillusioned you, disappointed you. And if you stay in disappointment too long, you'll be dissed from your appointment. You'll be separated from the thing that God has for you. And I'm not talking about heaven and your salvation. That's firmly set. That's fixed forever. Whom the Son is set free is free indeed. Christ forgave us once and for all past, present, and future sins. But I believe that unforgiveness and resentment holds us back from being all that God wants us to be. And some of you, frankly, you're afraid of letting go. You have a fear of letting go. Folg, F-O-L-G because you've nursed the wounds of your pain for so long that you don't know how you'll live if you let go. You become so comfortable with that that bitter friend, that resentful friend, that attitude of unforgiveness. You know, there's four ways that we deal with our emotional pain. We curse it. Some of you have been sitting there cursing people and cursing the situation and cursing that which hurt you and and disappointed you, and you've cursed it, and you've spoken evil of it, and you, you've let bitterness and anger come out of your mouth. And then another way we deal with our emotional pain is we nurse it. We feel sorry for ourselves, and we cry, and we eat gallons of ice cream, and we let our bodies go to pot, and we let our lives completely unravel because we just sit in the hospital room of of unforgiveness and resentment and bitterness, and we've nursed it and nursed it. And then another way we deal with our emotional pain is we rehearse it. We, we, we ruminate over it over and over. And we also have these imaginary arguments as if we would meet up with these people again one day and we would give them what for. We would tell them what they can do with it. And we, we, have, we rehearse these imaginary scenarios that will never come to pass these scenarios that you're imagining, these get back at your enemy type of things will probably never happen. And so you spend time rehearsing a script that the movie has already been canceled before it's been scheduled. And so another way we deal with our emotional pain is the way we're dealing with it today. We rehear- we reverse it. 
We completely turn the situation around. We make a clean break. We forgive. You know, um, I live by the statement, blessed are the forgivers for they shall always be happy. You know, you're holding your own happiness back by continually cursing and nursing and rehearsing that emotional pain. But today is all about reversing. We're going to reverse it. You know, if you're called to be a leader, I'm called to be a leader. If you're called to be a leader or a mentor, you know, leadership is more than just being a boss on a platform or a company or a church or uh, an organization. But leading is actually mentoring people one-on-one, giving them advice for life and helping them gain perspective as you're giving young the next generation wisdom to move forward. But some of you have been spending so much time cursing and nursing and rehearsing your emotional pain that you can't get past your torment. If you're called to be a mentor and you can't get past your torment, you will be a tormentor. You will give the wrong advice. You will coach people and advise them improperly. I see this so prevalently with married couples couples who've been divorced and they, they're still fresh off the wounds of unforgiveness and unresentment and bitterness and, and they can't move forward. And so someone comes to them and says, you know, I want to date. What would be your advice? And the first advice for a, an angry divorcee would be, I wouldn't have anything to do with no man anyway. I wouldn't have anything to do with no woman. They're all bad. Don't get married. You see what happens? If you don't get past your torment, you'll be a tormentor. I want to encourage you right now. What Jesus did for you is bigger than what anyone did to you. So it's not worth it to hold on to self-pity. Self-pity is an emotional virus and forgiveness is the antidote. And we all have the ability to forgive. People say, well, I just can't forgive. No, it's a choice that comes from within. You see, what's holding you back isn't the external forces. It's that internal force. It's that choice that I refuse to move forward and be healed. I I refuse to move forward and forgive. I'm going to hold on to this thing and I'm going to let my life be a torment to others. You have a fear of letting go. We're not going to fear letting go today. We're going to reverse this thing. We are going to forgive forward. You know, neuroscience suggests that when we hold on to or even ruminate over the negative and toxic thoughts of our offenders, the people that intentionally hurt us or unintentionally hurt us, or maybe just make it bad for everybody else. And so we personally identify that and we build up resentment. But neuroscience seems to suggest that when we hold on to these thoughts, negative, toxic thoughts of unforgiveness, the images associated with those those thoughts are literally embedded into our brain. So, Number one, forgiveness detoxifies your mind because when our toxic thoughts become our toxic reality, as do our pleasant thoughts and our healthy thoughts become a pleasant reality, forgiveness literally causes us to poison our own mind because the images and the ideas and the circumstances and the stories and the reels and the film and the images of all those things that hurt us are embedded into our brains. And so we've got toxicity in our mind. And neuroscientists believe that when you forgive, most of them will say when you forgive, in fact, it's a current study and a current topic right now that when you forgive, it literally eliminates toxicity out of your brain. 
Forgiveness detoxifies your mind. That's why we must guard and renew our minds. You know, Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, um, I beseech you by the, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable act of worship. Renewing your mind, renewing your mind eliminates toxicity. And how we think toward our offenders Think about your offender right now. Think about that person that hurt you. If you're angry at them and you're bitter and you're mad and you're resentful and you're having these imaginary arguments and you're having these imaginary bless them out situations in your mind, then you have toxic thoughts and it's affecting you and you, your toxic thoughts are now your toxic reality. We have to reverse those thoughts toward the good in people. It, it really all starts with our thoughts. We've been talking about that in Philippians 4 and 8. We're still on this this theme of getting our minds right. Finally, brothers and sisters, husbands and wives, co-workers and bosses and church members and pastors and leaders, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. It does not say in Philippians 4 and 8 to think about the things that your offender did wrong to you. And think about the ways that you're going to get back and you're plotting to their demise and, and, and you've, you've got it out for them and you're going to get the last word. I'm here to tell you right now, folks, that's a toxic mindset. Arguing with your offenders and they're not even in the room. You know, my daughter caught me. I talk to myself quite a bit. It's just kind of self-therapy. I kind of, it helps me process. Some people, you know, they do it differently, but I'll kind of find myself muttering to myself sometimes. And my family's picked on a, picked up on it over the years. And one day I had had a conversation with my wife. And as soon as I got off the phone, I started having this, a continued conversation. And my daughter looked over at me and she said, dad, I just love it when you rehearse what you're going to say to mom. <laughs> She, she picked up on that, you know, and, and we do that. We rehearse these things. And what we're doing is we're feeding the toxicity in our brains. So number one, when you forgive, you detoxify your mind. Number two, forgiveness isn't an event. It's a way of life. It's, it's not just, I'll forgive you when you do wrong. No, forgiveness is the way that you determine how you're going to move forward in life, forgiving people even before they do something wrong to you. You know, because in your life, you're going to have to constantly forgive. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. You're going to get hurt. People are going to break their promises and they're going to break your heart. People are human. That's, that's what humans do. Humans hurt other humans. Um, and, and you're going to see the worst side of people when you're close to people, the worst side of your family, the worst side of your church members, the worst side of your leadership, their humanity. Humans hurt humans. It's in their DNA. None of us can escape that. I've hurt people. I may even be hurting you right now with what I'm saying, and I don't even intend to do it. But some people are so sensitive and they get hurt so easily that when someone gives them advice or wisdom or instruction, it hurts them and they cut you off. And we got to stop cutting people off. It doesn't say in our key verse to make a clean break with people. It says to make a clean break with the attitudes that are keeping us back from having really great relationships. Everybody in your life is going to fail you. Your parents are going to fail you. And they probably already failed you multiple times, especially when you're younger and you look up to them and then you get older and you start realizing some of their faults that you didn't see as a child. They're going to make bad decisions. They're not, they're not perfect. 
You're going to get hurt on the job. Your friend's going to hurt you. Your, your, your spouse is going to hurt you. Your pastor is going to hurt you. Everybody will fail you. The only unfailable person in your life is Jesus Christ. He will never fail you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. So I want to encourage you today that the degree that people fail you is the degree that you will have to forgive. Some people will hurt you a little bit and it's easy to forgive, especially if they apologize. But some of your offenders will never apologize to you. You won't get that satisfaction, but you're still going to have to forgive because to the degree that people have hurt you is the degree and beyond that you have to forgive. So let's let forgiveness be the rule of our lives and not the exception. Because again, number two says forgiveness isn't an event. It's a way of life. In other words, I'm not just going to like you until you hurt me, but I'm going to continue to love you and I'm going to put out forgiveness ahead of time. It's a gift I give you. It's not an act I give to you. It's a gift I give to you. You have my forgiveness. You got to wear this invisible sign on your chest that says, I forgive you. When you wear that sign, you're going to have peace and joy in your life. Because forgiveness is a gift you give yourself. It's not a gift you give somebody else. So let's let's not just be forgiving when we get hurt, but let's just already make the determination, I'm going to forgive. I'm going to live life as a forgiving person because I'm a forgiven person. Christ hasn't just forgiven my sins. He has forgiven me, period. I'm a forgiven person. So going back to number one, forgiveness detoxifies your mind. Number two, forgiveness isn't an event. It's a way of life. Number three, forgiveness requires intention and action. The Bible says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. It says to be kind, not just to think kindly, not just to Uh, have a mindset of kindness, but to actually take it to the next level and make it action. You know, we act most like God when we actively forgive, not just in our words and our thoughts, but in our actions. You know, I love, I told you earlier, we'd come back to this forgiving quickly and thoroughly, quickly, immediately. I forgive not to let it sit and ruminate and enjoy holding someone in in bondage and, and holding them under your contempt but to forgive very quickly and thoroughly as God forgave you. I believe you can live a bitterless life. You know how to live a bitterless life? Forgive everyone of everything. Forgive everyone of everything. But Bible is very clear. It says pray for your enemies. That's the way we take action. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 33 through 34, but you have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I'm talking about intentionally hurt you. Wow, that's hard to do, but you know what? You're just putting yourself in more bondage when you build up resentment. Just just because someone offends you or even wounds you doesn't even necessarily mean they're your enemy, but they could be your direct enemy. They could actually be plotting against you. But we've got to learn that even in our worst case scenario, we still have to forgive. You know, it's it's way more difficult to harbor bitterness when you pray for your offenders and persecutors. So when you pray for somebody, you know, you can say, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive. But when you start to pray for them, you take the intention 
to the action stage. You're no longer intend, intending to forgive somebody, but when you pray for them, you're putting your forgiveness into action and it begins to it begins to take you over. This forgiveness. See, we guys, we're we're so overcome with unforgiveness that we need a takeover. We need an emotional switch or a reversing. And the way to reverse unforgiveness is not just to think about forgiving somebody, but it's to intentionally pray and bless those who persecute you. Pray for them and bless them. The Bible says, bless those that curse you. Find ways to be kind. Find ways to to bless because you guys, you, you guys realize that um, Christ gave us what we don't deserve. He didn't just give us mercy. Mercy withholds the punishment that we deserve, but grace gives us the gift that we don't deserve. And when you give a gift of grace to somebody, speak kindly about them and to them. You know, it's got to be sincere. I don't recommend you run out right away and start telling everybody how much you love all the all your offenders, how much you love them. But you have to make an intentional action. And praying is the first step. Praying for those who've hurt you. Lord, I just pray that you would bless this person that hurt me. They don't deserve it. But God, give them what they don't deserve. You gave me grace. Now God, give them grace. And I've done that before many, many times. And when I do it, I sense a immediate release of liberation in my spirit. Because nobody has to hold you hostage. You can cut yourself free of the own prison that you've made of bitterness and unresentment. Number four, forgiveness kills the root of bitterness. Forgiveness literally kills the very thing that has sprung up, sprung up in your life as bitterness. Uh, Paul was talking to the Hebrews in chapter 12, verse 15. It says, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch this. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you. Wow, isn't that powerful? You see, when you give someone grace, look at this, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. When you give grace, you're getting it back at the same time because you're opening up your life to release bitterness. And the way that we deal with poisonous roots of bitterness that grow up to trouble us is we give grace and forgiveness and in return, we receive that grace and receive that forgiveness afresh and anew every time. Don't, listen guys, don't trade a tender heart for a bitter root. Keep a tender heart. You know, if you still can be hurt and you still cry and you still feel the pain when people hurt you, that means you still have a tender heart. It's when you don't feel pain anymore and you don't, because you've just become so hard and so bitter and it's seared into your your soul so much that when people hurt you, you just cut them off because you will not feel pain anymore. But if you still hurt, if people still hurt you, that's okay. You're in a good place because you have a tender heart. So don't trade that tender heart, especially if you're a shepherd and a leader. I see so many pastors and so many leaders getting so bitter and cut off and seared that you can't even read them anymore. They don't shake your hand. They, they ditch out after they minister or they cut out and they get away from public crowds because they don't want to risk being hurt again. And they've made themselves so bitter that they, they don't even feel tenderness or compassion to love people. Having a tender heart is extremely important as a leader. You've got to maintain that tender heart or you will not have the heart of a shepherd. You'll be a tormentor. We don't want to be tormentors. We don't want to be mentors that are so tormented 
that we become tormentors. Don't trade a tender heart for a bitter root. You know, obviously some offenses can't be forgotten. We can't forget everything. We're not going to, there's no such thing as forgive and forget. No, but we can forgive and remember because our offenders, while they can't be forgotten, they can always be forgiven. And as much as you forgive is as far as you will go. Let me say that again. As much as you forgive is as far as you will go. So you're stopping yourself short. You've traded that tender heart and you've let that bitter root grow up into your life and produce poisonous fruit. Guys, it's time to make a clean break. Let's ask God to help us get past this bitterness and move on toward forgiveness so that we can get momentum and speed into the destiny and the purpose that God has created us for. Hey guys, we're going to take a half time here. We've got about 17 minutes left. Just really uh, thankful for the opportunity to share with you how to forgive others. It brings a lot of freedom into your life. And uh, if you're listening to this podcast and it has encouraged you and just kind of helped you recalibrate a little bit, want to remind you to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. These two things help us to just bring more awareness to the platform and uh, help us get content out there to share with more people so that they can discover how to have peace and joy in every area of their life. So if you're ready to forgive, or even if you're not ready to forgive, but you feel like that you already know the path that God is taking you down, you're already lining up some people and some situations that you're going to have to release and let go and forgive. Let's jump back in. About 17 minutes left. Can't wait to share with you uh, the second part of this podcast. And uh, so let's get back into forgiving forward. Number five, forgiveness invites the Holy Spirit to work. Wow. Wow. You know, so many of us are holding up our own miracles through unforgiveness. There's so many miracles that God wants to to bring about in your life. But the more you unforgive and are bitter and you you hold on to that resentment, you actually keep the Holy Spirit back from working in your life. You know, the Holy Spirit is our advocate, the Bible says. You know what an advocate is? An advocate is a defending attorney. You'll find this in John 14, 26. The Holy Spirit literally litigates 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 366 days a year if you're in leap year. He litigates against our accuser. The Bible calls Satan the accuser of the brethren. He's always accusing us and calling us out on our failures and calling us out again on our sins. And we do sin and we do fail God many times over and over. Our whole lives will we'll, we'll fail God until we die. We'll have victory in certain areas of our life, but we will fail God. We'll fail others and fail ourselves. But do you know that God never holds our sin up, a sin against us? He Rather, he has sent a defending attorney, the Holy Spirit, into our hearts to argue against our accusers and plead our case 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year against all accusation by our accuser. So here's what I say. Rather than take sides with the accuser, take sides with the defender. Take sides with the advocate. Take sides with the Holy Spirit. And if you take sides with the advocate, 
You're actually cooperating with the Holy Spirit. You're working with him. You're allowing him to manifest himself in your life and exercise forgiveness through you, defending even your enemies, not just forgiving them, but standing up for them. And those whom you've you cut off and you were bitter against and you you literally hate them, now you're taking sides with your 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 best friend, your advocate, the attorney who defends you day and night. You're siding with him. And when you side with the Holy Spirit, he works within you. Some of you are saying, yeah, but you don't know what they did, Tony. That's true. I don't, but I know what Jesus did. And I said it earlier. What Jesus did for you is bigger than what anyone else did to you. And forgiveness, man, you want to talk about going deep in the Lord like some of us are praying, oh God, I just want to go deeper with you. I, take me deeper. Take me higher, Lord. Let Well, then what you need to do is you need to forgive because when you forgive, you go deep inside. In fact, I even below, believe that forgiveness comes from something deeper than you. It's a force to tap into that gives you supernatural power to overcome the offenses that people will bring in your life. You, you might say, man, I, I just can't find it in me to forgive. And, and you know what? I would say many times that's true, but you can always find it in Christ to forgive somebody. Forgive as quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ, in Christ, in Christ forgave you. You know, that's a powerful principle for your life, in Christ. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. You see, when Jesus says, I forgive them for they know not what they do, because you're in Christ, you can forgive them even though they don't know what they did or if it was even intentional. You can forgive because you can find it in Christ to forgive. You can find it in his heart. And when you go deep in God, you're not going to find resentment. You're not going to find anger. You're not going to find bitterness. You're going to find mercy and grace and forgiveness. And when you take sides with the Holy Spirit, you invite him to work in your life. Number five, we're talking about number five, forgiveness invites the Holy Spirit to work powerfully in your life. Isn't that what we all want? That's what I want. And so I'm going to forgive. I'm going to take sides with the Holy Spirit and forgive because it will invite him to work in my life. Number six, forgiveness makes the first move. Forgiveness makes the first move. You know, Jesus, when he was hanging on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. He was already forgiving people while they were hurting him, while they were maligning him, while they were accusing him, while they were persecuting him and torturing him. He forgave them immediately ahead of time. You know, I love the fact in my life that God's forgiveness is already in motion long before I offend him, long before I sin against him, long before I do. His forgiveness is already extended. In fact, when I open my eyes, forgiveness is already meeting me on the way. I, 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 I just always encourage people, beat your offender to the punch. Forgive them first. Forgive them before. In fact, it may even help you to say to those who are close to you, those who are around you, those whom you're starting to get to know a little bit better and you're starting to see their human side, just say, I forgive you. I will forgive those who hurt me. I will stand up for them. I will defend them. I will forgive them. I already forgive them. You know, when you, when you forgive somebody, you set your offender free and the prison doors actually open for you. So when someone hurts you, you can fix them real good. You can forgive them. Let me say that again. When someone hurts you, 
you can fix them real good. You can forgive them. Because forgiveness makes no demands and it isn't dependent on an apology. My forgiveness is not dependent upon your ability to apologize because my forgiveness is stronger. I'm not held hostage waiting on you to ask me to forgive you. I'm already forgiving you. Now, if you come to me and you ask for forgiveness, I'm already there. I'm like, dude, I already forgave you. That's how God is with us. Lord, I I am sorry for sinning against you. I am sorry for, for misrepresenting you. I am sorry for offending you. God's already said, I forgive you. Have you ever come to somebody and you you feel really bad about something and you come up and you go, man, I'm really, and they hold out their hands and go, it's good. We're good. You don't even have to apologize. See, that's how forgiveness should be given because forgiveness is stronger than someone's ability to apologize. Don't wait on an apology. Don't let someone's lack of an apology hold you hostage. If you're waiting for an apology from some of some people, you, you may never forgive people because some, some people, in fact, most people are probably never going to give you the satisfaction and coming and saying all the things you wish they would say, man, I'm sorry, I was wrong, you were right. No, that's not going to happen, guys. That's an imagination. It's a false imagination. Don't be captive by false imaginations. Do the right thing. Forgive them. Let them go. Release it. Don't wait on them to come groveling. Man, dude, I got to tell you, the more you forgive people, the more it will hurt you when people come to grovel. You'll lose that desire for that sense of satisfaction because your satisfaction is in Jesus. You don't need someone else to meet your needs for satisfaction. It's cheap. Let Jesus meet all your needs for satisfaction and acceptance and longing and emotional freedom. Man, when you can live that way and lit, man, you have really become a strong person. You have become a person that is unaffected by the pains and the wounds and the intentional hurts that people will bring your way. Guys, we got to quit having that victim mentality. We're called to be victors. Let's stand up and forgive people. Let's even say it when we pray for them before they do it. God, I thank you for my pastor. And Lord, I believe my pastor is a good man or a good woman of God. And I believe they have good intentions for me. Don't let me get caught up in petty grievances. Because in the presence of God, all pettiness has to go. All of those little self-pity parties that you have, you got to you got to cancel the party, you got to dismiss that party, you got to say party pity party over and forgive those who have hurt you. Especially when they don't ask for forgiveness and the reality is reality is they probably won't. Number 7. Forgiveness releases God's provision. Wow. Did you realize that when you forgive somebody, you unblock the blessings of God. Now, we're blessed to be children of God. We're blessed to have our names written down. What comes to us is always undeserved, but we are holding up some blessings by, by unforgiveness. I say it this way. We pray for doors. God, open up doors from me, but the doors are already there. But we don't see the doors because we've built walls of unforgiveness. When the walls come down, you can see the doors that are already there in your life. See, Christ has already blessed you with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. You've already been blessed. You already have the favor of God on your life, but you don't get to live and experience the fullness of that favor when you, when you hold up bitterness against people. You have those open doors, but you don't see the open doors because you've built walls. It's time for the walls to come down. And so we release God's provision when we forgive, when we pray for those who 
hurt us and we bless those that persecute us and malign us and use us for selfish motive. Look what Mark 11, 23, 25 says. It says, truly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, we love this verse, guys, don't we? Be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass. It will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Now watch this. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone. Mark 11, 23 through 25. Guys, we can be praying for the mountain to be moved. We can pray for the walls to come down. We can pray for provision and open doors and open opportunities and favorable connections and relationships. And it says when we pray those things, they'll happen. But it says when we stand praying, we must forgive. See, forgiveness opens the door to receiving the provision, receiving the blessings, living in the fullness of God's favor. Look at Luke eleven thirty four. It says, give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. You know how to get it. You know how to get out of debt? Forgive your debtors. You get out of spiritual debt by forgiving your debtors. That cancels debt. It cancels lack. It cancels poverty. It cancels, cancels closed doors. It creates favorable opportunities that are already yours. But by simply forgiving, we can enter into the fullness of those blessings. Look at Job 42 and 10. This was powerful. Job had everything taken from him. He had his family, his job, his house, his health. He lost it all. And then he had three guys come and try to fake comfort him. And somewhere in the middle of their, their advice, quote unquote, they began to give him wrong counsel saying, this was your fault. If you hadn't done this, God wouldn't have done this. Who do you think you are? And so their comfort, quote unquote, started becoming more of an antagonistic advice. And so at the end of, of Job's situation, Job 42 and 10 says, and the Lord restored the fortunes of Job. Watch this. When he had prayed for his friends, his accusers, his critics, and the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. You see, I believe that unforgiveness holds up the fountains of blessing in our life. Now, some of you would say, well, the finished work took care of it all. And yes, it did. Christ's finished work provided everything we'd ever need for life, love, and happiness, and joy. But the reason why we don't experience that under bitterness and regret is because we're holding up the fountain of release. Of It's not just God doesn't want you just to have a happy attitude. He wants you to have a happy life. And there are some things at the very verge of breaking through the dams that you have built that as soon as that crack in that dam, when you begin to forgive, there's a crack in the dam. And when you forgive, the dam begins to rumble and it splits open and gushes out blessings and provision in your life. Number seven, forgiveness releases God's provision. So today, guys, let's not hold up the blessings of God anymore. Let's let the blessings of God be released through the crack of forgiveness. Let's begin to forgive and release people and let people go. And let's, let's be stronger. Let's be the bigger man and the bigger woman and say, I am not going to let the blessings of God be held up any longer. I am going to forgive and let the blessings of God be released over my life. All right, let's close this by reviewing everything. Number one, forgiveness detoxifies your mind. Resist the urge to hold on to toxic thoughts of unforgiveness. You cleanse your mind and spirit when you forgive. Number two, forgiveness isn't an event. It's a way of life. 
Let's let forgiveness be the rule, guys, and not the exception. Blessed are the forgivers, for they shall always be happy. Number three, forgiveness requires intention and action. We act most like God when we forgive. So forgive your offenders and accusers just as quickly and thoroughly as God forgave you. Number four, forgiveness kills the root of bitterness. Vigilantly guard your heart against any root of bitterness because as much as you forgive is as far as you will go in your life. Number five, forgiveness invites the Holy Spirit to work. You know, you're holding up miracles by holding onto offenses. Let me say that again. You're holding up miracles by holding onto offenses. But when you forgive, you cooperate with the Holy Spirit and he with you. Number six, forgiveness makes the first move. Don't let offenses hold your heart hostage. Forgiveness is always stronger than your offender's ability to apologize. And finally, number seven, forgiveness releases God's provision. Life can be a fountain of blessings or a swamp of curses. When you release your debtors, you release yourself from debt. Let's be forgivers. All right, guys, that's all the time we have left for today. Let's choose to forgive forward. So moving forward from this podcast, don't just listen to it and think about it. Let's take some action in our life. You know, grace isn't opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. You don't have to earn favor with God, but you do have to take some action and effort in your life to make a change, to do some things that will bring about positive results in your life. And forgiveness is the best prescription for so much of the emotional turmoil that we experience in life. And I want to help you do that. So choose to take what I've shared with you today and put it into action. A couple other action steps uh, that would help us <laughs> is if you'd subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, it just helps bring more awareness to the platform and uh, helps us get more content out to folks to help them discover how to have peace and joy in every area of their life. Can't wait to share with you our next episode. And until then, we'll see you. Oh, 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 oh,